0: Hey, my literary pupples and pooples and peoples, the pupples is for the Liberty Dogs out there. I'm going to hate myself in the morning for saying that. Anyway, the most important thing I can tell you about this pre-roll for Electric Liberty Land 149 is that John Odermatt of Felony Friday, of course, you've heard him on all of our shows, just hit 200 episodes. Now, Felony Friday, if you're not familiar with it, you should be, because 200 episodes of that show means that At least 95% of those shows are real-life people who have suffered at the hands of the state and the lies, bias, and corruption therein, or that have helped people within that system, that are advocating and freeing people from that system. It's a must-listen show, and you can support it in two ways. Number one, you can listen to it. You can share it. You can go to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty, or lionsofliberty.store, buy a t-shirt, make sure people know, listen to the podcast, and a big congrats to my buddy, John Odomat.
1: Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty, with your host, Brian McWilliams.
2: 12-year-olds out of bed Just got an old coat for a pillow from a kid's bed that's named Ted. Epstein's got a fetish only God knows where it it is. He's the devil on the run, a six-year-old lover, his plane rides on the wind. Yeah! Thrown to the silent Say the girls are all fifteen. Well, at least they've given you something useful. Blackmail by Epstein. Well, they tell me that he's wanted. Yeah, that he is a wanted man. over well, the pill is in his stable. The elites laying cable, playing catch me if you can. He went down in a blaze of glory. They took him out, but we know the truth. Just going down in a blaze of glory. Oh, and I never sued first, but it's suicide suicided first. No one's witnessed. Oh,
0: Clinton Dover, young fun. Oh, Hachi Machi! Uh, that uh, that took some that took some doing, folks. Getting that one out. I don't know why I don't pick easier songs. For Christ's sake, my own goddamn ego getting in the way of me doing simple songs that I could sing without uh, stretching my vocal cords to the max. Especially after being sick for an entire damn week. Hey, yai! Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number one forty nine. Everybody, I am Brian McWilliams. As always, welcome to our show. Uh, yeah, I'm still a little bit sick. Um, God, this fucking cold, man, just it just hanging on. But here I am every week for you guys, keeping it together, bringing you the latest in all things liberty. Not all things, some things, <laughs> some things liberty. Uh, <clears throat> if you couldn't tell by the opening song there, which of course, you know, I say suicided, but of course I say, you know. He didn't sue first, did he? Suicided first. Cuz he got suicided. We all know Epstein didn't kill himself. And this has gone mainstream. I mean, in the last week, I am amazed there was a guy who was like a Navy SEAL expert. He goes on Fox News or something like that to talk about a uh, to talk about the dog, the hero dog that they literally had to fact check whether or not Donald Trump had the dog and pinned the Congressional Medal Medal of Honor to the <laughs> to the dog in the White House. <laughs> this is so fucking stupid. Progressive media is now they fact-checked it to make sure that, uh, that all the people on the left knew it was a joke that Donald Trump had the dog in, in this picture up of him putting the congressional medal around the dog. Although honestly, I wouldn't put it past Trump. Maybe that's why they did it, but still too funny. But this Navy seal was in there talking about the use of dogs and how this dog got in there and did its thing. And, uh, but before, you know, this segment even starts, he's like, Epstein didn't kill himself. Awesome. Awesome, man. Just awesome. We're seeing that come out. We're also, well, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So we saw that. Now, what we're also seeing, though, is mainstream media, Project Veteritas, right, who's done a lot of work, undercover work with cameras, exposing CNN's bias against uh, the right and more specifically against Donald Trump, uh, doing the work with uh, Planned Parenthood, talking to people on Planned Parenthood about how, you know, what they do with babies, how they use that money. They have a new video, which was kind of like a behind the scenes, although it seems like it's from the recorded monitors at uh, ABC News, but they've got an ABC News anchor on television talking about how unbelievably frustrated she was because she had a story about Jeffrey Epstein decades, well, not decades, but years and years ago. Much like we talk about, you know, Ronan Farrow, I think it exposed how uh, the New York times, or maybe it was NBC news had quashed a story about Epstein because they were threatened and they just backed off the whole thing. Um, actually, no, it wasn't Ronan for It was a female writer. Anyway, doesn't matter, but this has been happening over and over again. And now they've got this on video where this prominent ABC news journalist, whose name is Amy Robach. And of course, knowing me, I, that's probably said wrong. Uh, watch out, the robots are coming for you. They take your pills when you're asleep. So you need old Patriot insurance. Uh no, but Amy Robach is on video, and I'm gonna play it for you, at least some of it, because she lays it all out there. She lays out what evidence she had. She even talks about Bill Clinton being involved. She talks about how this guy is a huge pedophile, how he had this whole network exposed, and she's just, she's pissed though, because now it's coming out more. And she's like, I had this story 10 years ago. And now it's coming out. So I don't know. You know, you'd think she'd be outraged just at the cover-up, but she clearly valued her job and she clearly valued her career over exposing the truth and exposing this pedophile ring because you'd think she could have gone to any other number of sources, right? A a story this big, you think you could have shopped that around maybe, Amy? So while she's outraged and it's good to see her talking about this, mm, you know, there's a lot of blame left. Uh, But- I'm going to play this video for you. Then I'll come back to talk about it. And by the way, sorry about the annoying heartbeats. Project Veritas put that in. It's very annoying.
1: I've had the story for three years. I've had this interview with Virginia Roberts. We would not put it on the air. Um, first of all, I was told who's Jeffrey Epstein. No one knows who that is. This is a stupid story. Um, then the palace found out that we had her whole allegations about Prince Andrew and threatened us a million different ways. Um, we were so afraid we wouldn't be able to interview Kate it will say, oh, that totally, we that also quashed sad. the story, yeah. and then um, and then Alan Dershowitz was also implicated in because of the planes. She told me everything. She had pictures. She had everything. She was in hiding for twelve years. We convinced her to come out. We convinced her to talk to us. Um, it was unbelievable what we had. Clinton. We had everything. Mm-hmm. I I tried for three years to get it on
0: had it all three years ago so there you go so she had it three years ago she's saying Uh, this uh, this entire thing like i said you know it's uh, yes i understand her being pissed off about it that the network put the kibosh on it because they were going to be denied access to the royal couple right i get that point of view but it's also morally abysmal. It's an atrocity. Are you kidding me? You're telling me that you have all this evidence, including implicating a former president of the United States who's still very prominent, and including when, and this, and by the way, I, I'm sure it also came into play that Hillary Clinton three years ago, oh, yeah, happened to be running for president. Hmm. Wonder if that had something to do with deciding not to go out with this evidence implicating her husband in a pedophile ring with the quote, biggest pedophile that uh, has ever existed or whatever the guy, you know, whatever the lawyer said she mentioned. So yeah, I mean, this chick is, is out there. I'm so mad because we had it. I'm so mad it's coming out now. The network she works for sacrificed children at the altar of a pedophile elite in order to protect their access to the royal couple. Think about that for a minute. Think about Any news story you've gotten from ABC News now, does that make you question? And I I know most of you already do question this. Most of my listeners don't go to mainstream media for their news and nor should you. But I mean, my God, the everyday person should question this now. You have a major news outlet refusing to publish a story, implicating former presidents, implicating all sorts of high-powered elite individuals in a massive pedophile ring backed up by numerous direct sources backed up by you know, whoever this lawyer is backed up by all these different independent witnesses slash sources slash you know backup on backups on backups of testimony of people that are presumably on the record that could have put this guy away that could have stopped children from being banged that are underage by the Bill Clintons of the world and you decide now you know what forget it we got we gotta be able to talk to to Kate Kate Middleton gotta talk to that broad. Much more important than this massive story, and that's what these new news organizations are, are doing actively. All of them, and this woman, Amy Amy Robark Robark, whatever her name is. This woman is so upset. Meanwhile, she could have taken her news somewhere else if she had a soul, if she had a moral compass, if she knew what was right. If she was actually a journalist, just think about that. If you were actually a journalist doing your job rather than playing internal politics rather than kowtowing to whoever powers to be rather than like i said maybe even keeping it a little bit secret because hillary clinton was running and you wanted hillary to win maybe you just take that story go somewhere else are you telling me nobody else would have jumped on that but yes you're so pissed yeah get up on your soapbox make sure the world knows that you had the scoop first and that mmm you're so mad. You could have done something about it. God, fuck you. Fuck you. Oh, my God. Anyway, so Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. And, uh, you know, I I wanted to start the show. With, oops, kicking my mic's ass. Kicking my mic's ass. Take that, Mike. Don't talk back to me. Uh, I wanted to start the show with that just because it just, I mean, this is blowing up. And the implications of this, let's say this gets out. Let's say the thing actually starts to roll. Because I'm seeing Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself memes in a lot more places than I used to. I'm seeing mainstream media people talk about uh, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. I'm seeing people doing shout-outs on shows, making people talk about it. And now Project Veritas drops this? Fantastic. Let's blow this thing out of the water. And not only that, but Ronan Farrow came out too. And you'll recall Juanita Broderick. She's been on our show before. Uh, she's been interviewed on Felony Friday. She's been on our buddy Dan Smotz's program. The system is down. Uh, Talked to him at length. This woman has one of the most credible rape accusations you'll ever hear in your entire life. And it's against Bill Clinton. And she tells it in detail the exact same way. It all adds up. Nothing was ever done. Covered up because the man, you know, this, this uh, serial rapist was one of the chosen few. And thus, nothing was ever done about it. While his wife cackles about the people that accuse him of rape and excuses their behavior, Ronan Farrow, who, of course, exposed Harvey Weinstein, wrote that giant uh, expose about all the things that he did that were underhanded, cruel, and awful. He is now saying Juanita Broaddrick has a very credible rape accusation against Bill Clinton. One wonders what he might be working on. I, for one, sincerely hope that it is a very in-depth expose about Bill Clinton's rapey past, and I hope Juanita Broderick finally gets the justice that she is so duly deserving of. Now, that being said, you heard me talking uh, talking slash singing about Jeffrey Epstein suiciding, quote unquote, suiciding himself. And meanwhile, Ronan Farrow, watch your back, buddy. (laughs) We know how the Clintons operate. If you happen to go down this road, who knows you might get quote unquote robbed in the middle of the night and have nothing taken off your body or uh, suicide yourself with two shots to the back of your own head. Who's to say, but an exciting way to begin our show. Wouldn't you agree? Everybody. Now, the next thing though, I moving on, cause I don't obviously, uh, how much can you say about the Epstein thing? I already did a whole show talking about it, but Another thing I wanted to talk about, and how can you not, is Elizabeth Warren and her plan, her long-delayed, finally-released plan for Medicare for All. Naturally, this is something she didn't want to talk about because she knew deep down that the price tag of this, which is $52 trillion over 10 years, $52 trillion, which is uh, supposedly the cost of what currently you know, the entire healthcare industry in the United States is projected to be is 52 trillion. So her pitch is, this is equal to what we have, except you won't have to pay for it, which of course is a huge lie because we know we will be paying for it. There's literally zero possibility that this is gonna come along with without some sort of massive tax. And that tax is gonna hit the middle class in a huge way as well as virtually every class. And I'll explain exactly why as we go through it. But before I get deep into it and and break down why this is such an idiotic policy plan, and I'm not going to go overboard on it, guys, because I know other uh, podcasts, like I know my buddy Jason Stapleton over at, uh, you know, now it's called Wealth, Power, and Influence, but I know he did a big breakdown of it. So I'll do about a (laughs) 20-minute, I say that now, watch, 45 minutes from now, still talking about this, but I'll probably do about a 20-minute bit on this. But my brother-in-law, Stephen, loves Stephen because he is, (laughs) converted converted to libertarianism up in uh, the liberal bastion of San Francisco. Uh, God bless you. But he sent me what is just one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. And that is that Elizabeth Warren rolled out what she calls her Medicare for all calculator. And let me just bring this up real quick on my phone because, it's, and this is, you can go to uh, elizabethwarren.com So she's got the Elizabeth Warren Medicare for All calculator. And it says, use this calculator to find out what Elizabeth's plan for Medicare for All will mean for you. Don't worry, we're not saving this info. Now, maybe they need it, maybe they don't, but I'm gonna go through it in real time. Ready? So let's see, where do I get my healthcare right now? Okay, I get it from my job. Next question, roughly how much do you spend each year on healthcare? Now I'll say, I'll I'll make up a number. I kind of wanna make ridiculous with this. So I'm gonna say, $2, right? Next. Have you ever not gone to the doctor or skipped a recommended test treatment or fault because of the cost? I'll say no. Next. All right. And guess what? After those three questions, more money in my pocket, says the quote unquote calculator. (laughs) This calculator has asked me exactly one question having to do with an actual dollar amount, right? And two very vague questions which I answered saying that I spend $2 a year that I already have healthcare coverage and that I've never had to miss a an appointment in my life. I've never had to turn away healthcare, but no more money in my pocket says the quote unquote calculator. <laughs> Here we go. That's because I won't have to pay for premiums or co-pays or any of the other insurance companies that, uh, or any of the other ways health insurance companies stick me with the bill. What's more, Elizabeth's plan doesn't raise middle-class taxes by one penny. And then it tells me shit about that doesn't apply to me. So the reason why this was so goddamn funny to me is that it literally builds itself as a calculator has nothing to do with actual calculation. has nothing to do with money crunching. has nothing to do with uh, dollars and cents. All it is, is a propaganda machine. It's kind of like it, whatever you type in, it's going to give you the answer you want to hear, which is that you save money. It's like if you had a calculator as, as an eight year old kid, there's one thing you wanted to see at that calculator anytime you used it, right? And that was for the eights and the zeros and the five. Dispel boobs when you turn it upside down. This is what Elizabeth Warren's doing. Thank you for the boobs calculator, Elizabeth Warren. Really a genius move. I mean, it just, is anybody stupid enough to use this thing and actually believe it? I mean, this is like one in a long number of moves by Elizabeth Warren, which she, I'm sure her people told her, this is genius. Everybody's gonna be converted, but you, you cannot call it a calculator. When it doesn't calculate, it's a propagandulator. It's a boobulator. <laughs> and in the meantime, when you get into the nitty-gritty of her plan, this calculator is even more prolific for the absolute horseshit that it is. And let me, let me break it down real quick. I'll go through, let me bring up her website so I can go through it. And just, you know, the arguments against what she's saying are so simple and so obvious that it's, again, I think I can do this in 20 minutes. And if you don't want to listen to it, Fast forward, <laughs> and then I'll meet you on the other side of the brick. Or if you do, you're going to miss gems like this because, my God, you go to Elizabeth Warren's Medium page where she has paying for Medicare for all, right? This is where she lives at her plan. Listen to this fucking pap. This is how she starts out. This is her plan, how, she, how it lays out, right? My daddy's heart attack nearly sent our family skidding over a financial cliff. Today, I think about all the kids this year who will face the double blow of nearly losing a parent and then watching their lives turn upside down as their families struggle to pay a growing stack of medical bills. Starting it with my daddy's heart attack. This woman is literally talking to us as though we are moronic children. I mean, now granted, this is the way that politicians see all of us, especially politicians on the left. They view the general voting populace as morons, as children that need to be taken care of, that can't do anything on their own, that need the government to to be there for them, to show them how to put their socks on their feet, to show them what to eat, to show them what not to eat, to tell them what's safe and what's not safe, because they cannot be trusted to govern their own selves, nor their bodies, nor their fucking lives. If there's anything more obvious than that with Elizabeth Warren's opening paragraph, my daddy's heart attack Well, the princess sat down on the bed and she felt a mean old pee under her mattress. So what they do, the government made regulations that said no peas can be under mattresses and that solved the problem. Okay, actually, you know what? I lied. I'm not going to read off this Medium site. It's too long. It's too stupid. I'm just going to break it down because I know the basic points. I was trying to find it. It's like aggravating. I can't find, even on her own website, a basic breakdown of her plan. Like I'm going off secondhand sources. I'm reading the New York Times now, reading uh, Slate, which is funny because... Number one, even Slate.com has an article about how unfair this plan is. And I'll tell you what that means. It's unfair to businesses because of a very simple thing. One of the basics of Elizabeth Warren's plan is because, you know, some 50 plus percent of Americans get their health care through their employer. I do. Like I said, in the little Elizabeth Warren calculator, I get it through my employer. Now, when I take over my company and run it for myself, I'll still get it through my employer because I'll put it down as as an expense. Great. What Elizabeth Warren wants to do is go in and say, okay, Medicare for all, right? Now, if you're a business that's already paying for your employees to have health care, like say, you know, is a benefit for some, maybe you've got an incredibly good uh, dental and health program. Maybe that's one of the things you offer. Maybe you have an exceptionally good maternity uh, insurance plan that you put into place. Like my wife's company has, which we're very uh, thankful for. Great. You have a leg up on your competition. You've been doing that for years. You've been expending a lot of money on it. It's part of the benefits package for your employees, right? Well, Elizabeth Warren wants to go ahead, come in and say, okay, well, if you've already been doing that, you just have to keep doing that, except instead of paying the insurance companies, you pay the government. And you might say, okay, well, if you're a business, that doesn't sound so bad, except for, as I said before, now your employees don't have a personal choice. You as an employer don't have the choice to make a benefit better or less or adjust your budgetary constraints because obviously if healthcare is a major overhead for you, maybe if you've got 400 employees, you maybe you knock it down a notch, save yourself a couple million dollars a year, make yourself uh, able to stay open, for example, uh, make it so you can expand, have a new facility, expand to do franchises. You get the idea. So what Elizabeth Warren wants to do though is make sure that if you already have these benefits in place, you have to keep paying them. However, competitors to you do not have to do that. Now, once this goes into law, only companies that have existing benefits being paid have to continue paying that out of their earnings. And companies that don't get a free pass, nope, don't worry about it. Just keep, uh, keep on keep it on. The government will take care of everybody else on the rolls. We'll do it through a combination of wealth tax. We'll do a combination of of, uh, local taxes and whatever else she's proposing. I'll I'll get into this a little bit deeper. But how is that? Even Slate is pointing this out. How is that fair? In what world is that a competitive, even playing field? If you are now forced, as a large company to continue paying a massive amount of your revenues in order to ensure your employees. Meanwhile, companies are up and coming, and competitors to you that can come up nipping at your heels, they now don't have to worry about that expense at all because the government's gonna take care of it. And under this new regime, there's no difference in coverage. There's no better healthcare or worse healthcare. It's all just one government umbrella of terrible health care. So you're on the dole. They're able to put that money into marketing, into product research and development, into expansion, et cetera, or just into bonuses to hire better people. I mean, it almost makes you wonder if there's nothing in place right now, if you're an Amazon, if you're a whoever else that might offer healthcare as a benefit, maybe it's as a a nod to the social justice workers where you're saying, okay, our employees, like I know Costco, right? Costco's got a healthcare program in place. I think Walmart does too. Knowing this law is coming, Aren't you just going to dump every single person and be like, no more healthcare for you guys. Peace out. Government's going to take care of this shit. I mean, from a very practical perspective, that makes complete sense to me. I mean, as a small business, uh, let's say in the future, I'm a small business owner and I've got two employees that I'm paying X number of years. You know, my, my health insurance, something like $350, $400 a month, which is not cheap for a small business. So why would you keep me on paying my health insurance instead of saying, all right, we're ending that policy right now. And whatever that cutoff date is, you do a little research and you say, all right, we're going to end this before we get to the point where we have to continue to pay it. So you're going to see millions of people get dumped off these rolls, have no health insurance. Now the government's going to come in. Now we have all these people that have to be put into government health care. We're going to have this whole Obamacare situation again where the government is so goddamn inept. We're going to trust them to be able to input to onboard hundreds of millions of people into a medical system to take care of the payments, to take care of arranging doctor's appointments, to take care of all this shit. Now that private insurance is not a thing anymore because she wants to eliminate private insurance. Don't forget that. I mean, it is sheer madness to expect this. Number one, competitive disadvantage for the companies that actually keep people on. Number two, why would you ever keep anybody on your health care? knowing the government's going to come in, knowing what a huge disadvantage that is in the marketplace if you're continuing to pay those by virtue of taxes to the government. Just absolutely stupid. And she's banking on that to pay for the majority of her program. It's right there in writing. It's in ink. She expects these companies to take that that portion over. And she's saying that's why it's not going to cost people that much money. Second part of her platform, second plank of this is she wants to double their uh, the income uh, tax or the wealth tax, not even income, a general wealth tax. Every single year, double the wealth tax. I think it was initially she proposed 3%. Now she's saying 6% every year on the wealthy, on, on the overall wealth, right, of people. Not your income, wealth taxed. Are we to believe that people that are so wealthy are simply gonna sit here and take it? I mean, they tried this in France, they tried this in any number of countries, it never works. All that happens is the people that are ultra-wealthy move, they buy a passport somewhere else, they go and move to another nation that'll gladly take their money, somewhere somewhere that has far less GDP that would gladly have the influx of a high net worth individual and everything that they bring with them as far as a boost to the economy. I mean- these people already hide their money. Like there's no way they're going to simply sit back and take and write these massive checks to the government to pay for the shit. So why would you ever expect that to be a reality? I mean, we're seeing it on a state level already. New York increases the taxes on the wealthy. They're fleeing the state. California people stick around here, I guess just because it's so goddamn nice, but that's going to reach a point soon. We already have massive exodus of people from California, just everyday Joe's. And Joettes going to Texas, going to, you know, any number of, of states that are far lower cost of living. Arizona, I know, is another one that they're destined, uh, another big destination. And on top of that, if you're somebody that's an entrepreneur, if you want to start a business, if you're, if you're successful and you see your business growing, wouldn't you immediately just flee the United States? I mean, one of the greatest things Trump did, and I'm not saying he did a lot of great things, but one, one of the greatest of the few things he's done right— is lowering our corporate uh, tax rate <clears throat> make it easier for, co- for companies and corporations to operate here, to hire people, to employ people? I mean, all these assholes cry about the tax that these giant corporations play or pay, forgetting the fact that they make all our lives better, they employ millions of people, and that they're still paying payroll taxes. Like these people that they they employ, that they're creating jobs for that they're creating wealth for an entire community or a state. I mean, there's a reason all these states were bending over backwards to try to get Amazon to come there with a facility It's not because they just wanted to get their packages faster. It's because they know the impact that can have on the local economy. It makes jobs more prolific for everybody there. It makes it easy. I mean, we talk about the problem with socialism and communism. There's no wealth creation there. The problem with government, that does not create wealth. We're talking about companies that create wealth here. And they enable other people to create wealth by virtue of paying them. This money, which is then taxed by the government for bullshit, but allows these people to go on. I mean, everybody that works for Amazon, you think they're going to work there the rest of their lives? No.
2: MENS! MENS! Exciting. Ooh.
0: That's is to you. Uh, yo, guys, a little break here. I want to remind you to check out our buddy, our friend, my fellow man in baldness, although not glasses. I have much better eyesight than this guy. But check out Free Man Beyond the Wall with Pete Quinonez. Uh, again, I will never learn to say his name correctly because I just uh, I, now it's like a it's like a thing. It's like a passion project to say it as wrongly as possible. Quinones. But anyway, check it out, freemanbeyondthewall.com. Of course, Pete used to be Mance Raider, known for his memes and hilarity. He has fantastic guests on. And not only that, he is a fantastic guest. He was just on Felony Friday as a guest for John Udermatt's 200th show. Amazing. Congratulations, John, on 200. Anyway, check out Freeman Beyond the Wall these people are going to go on to do great things. And the people that don't go on to do great things should be thankful that there's a job there that suits their level of competency. So by Elizabeth Warren's plan, let's make sure that we tax the living hell out of the wealthy. Let's make sure that we tax the the people that are creating these companies that live here. Let's make sure that they don't want to be here anymore. Let's make sure they don't want to start companies here anymore, that they don't want to exist here anymore. How does that help anybody down the line just absolutely foolish other banks platforms she wants to increase the money taken away from people that are like the top one percent of their capital gains of course capital gains i'm sure most of you know if not all of you know capital gains are what you make you invest in a stock the stock blows up or if you're me you know Let's say you invested in a pot stock and lost yeah, $3,000 because it crashed the, the day after you bought it when the SEC investigated them. <laughs> Such is life. But let's say you have a successful stock. You sell it off. The profits from that are taxed by the government at a rate of about 15%. Now, that, in my opinion, is still bullshit because... It's still double taxation. It's still money that you made, you invested to help a company grow, which in turn paid people jobs, which in turn the government took money out of their goddamn paychecks, right? So the government's still getting its piece no matter what. Nevertheless, they take 15%. Elizabeth Warren wants to tax that at the level of revenue or of uh, regular income. So for the top 1%, if you have a capital gain sale, you get taxed at the same rate as your income level, which, you know, these people want to push it up. I'm not even sure what, her ideal top income level is, but let's say it's 66%. Now, if you're a high worth individual and you're getting taxed 66% on anything having to do with capital gains tax, again, why would you stay here? Now, in the world that she lives in, she's going to do it on the New York Stock Exchange. Maybe that's where all your money is. I guess tough to get around that, right? But there's plenty of opportunities elsewhere in the world, the Nikkei, or Nikkei, whatever it's called, I almost invested in a uh, Ethiopian stock market once. I might do it again. But it's like just putting the screws to the powerful, to the rich, to the uh the people that are creators of jobs because it's like in this in the world these people live in, the rich don't deserve a dime. Like none of these people have any credit for creating something, for employing people, for having incredible idea for creating something out of nothing that doesn't exist in the world of these progressives. They seem to only view the world through the lens of you don't deserve that. And that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, like uh, these, like Ben Burgess, he was on a uh, part of the problem before, you know, it's like, well, the, the capital value of labor, you know, you shouldn't have that. The company should be owned by all of the workers and they should all have equal, equal share. No bullshit. If you're a special person with a special vision, You put it all out on the line there. You put the capital forward. You put everything out there for the risk. You reap the benefits. It's not all, you know, hereditary income. It's not all trust fund babies out there. The majority of people have worked their goddamn asses off to make this company a reality. And now the leftists want to get in there and just take it all away for the sake of equality. Meanwhile, if we're being perfectly honest, look, look at the state of Medicare and, uh, let's say Medicare for all, right? Let's say everybody has it, which is the, uh, what, what Elizabeth wants, wants to do. Not a, not a system like the Swedes have, or that exists in these, uh, these countries that they call socialists, which are not in any way in Denmark and Sweden and Norway, all these other, uh, I, you know, Iceland, all these Nordic countries that they view as the optimum example. And for which I think it was Denmark came out and said, look, we're not socialists to Bernie Sanders. We're not. We're a mixed economy. Yes, we cover the health care for people at an exceptionally high tax rate, by the way. But at the same time, they built this on the largesse of having one of the most free economies in the world. All of these countries rank higher on the economic freedom index than the United States does. That's why they can afford to have these health care systems in place. Getting a little bit off topic. Let me return to the, uh, the central point here. Sweden, Denmark, Norway, all these places, they still have private insurance. They have basically a catch-all for the lowest common denominator of people. So if you're you know a homeless guy, you can go in. You don't have to pay for care. Great. The people that have money still predominantly in these Nordic countries pay for private insurance because they get access to care faster. They get better care faster. Elizabeth Warren wants to eliminate that with this Medicare for all. Everybody has the same service. Now, the UK (coughs) and Canada, for that matter, are touted as examples. Now, Canada has private insurance as well. But the UK, they tout this as, oh, it's the, the shining example. Like, this is the city on the hill. It is Camelot for healthcare systems and how they're supposed to operate. Guess what? Just saw an article yesterday. The longest waits, I think, in in their history, currently happening, the longest waits, and the lowest cancer survival rates. Now, I've said this before on the show, when you've got a situation like the UK does, like Canada does, like any number of places, and I'll tell you a funny story about Canada that my wife shared with me, you have a situation wherein, when you've got a very limited number of specialists, when you've got no incentive For people to invest more money, more time, to fly over there, to open new oncologist's office and specialist's office, whatever else it is, when you don't have that incentive because you've got a government that has price caps, which Elizabeth Warren also wants to do, she wants to put price caps on everything in the medical industry, you're gonna have a situation like the UK. So the UK, if you've got a cold, you can see a doctor immediately. They have a million general practitioners, great. It's the easiest degree to get in the medical field because you don't have to do any additional schooling. You go in, you become a doctor, hooray, you're a doctor. In the United States, for better or worse, because there's a declining income for general practitioners, we actually have the opposite problem. Because the government's put Medicare and Medicaid into place, which pays jack shit to general practitioners, we have far less of them because they have barely scraping by. And in addition to that, because the government forced everybody to go to electronic and digital record keeping which I believe is just so they could spy on us, but that's neither here nor there. Since that happened, you now have doctors that are stressed out. They're having trouble dealing with uh, the number of patients they have, which is far too many, and they can't spend enough time with patients because they're not getting paid enough to do it per patient because the government's not paying enough, and thus a lot of doctors turn away Medicare and Medicaid. And on top of that, they've now got a system in place which requires them to spend more time doing administrative bullshit in order to comply with the regulations put in place for this digital health initiative that the government has. So in this country, we actually have a dearth of general practitioners. People look at it and they go, I'm not going to make enough money. Medical school costs me a ton. I don't want to go in and grind my ass down seeing 55 patients a day and dealing with this bullshit. So I'm going to become a specialist. So they go back to school, they spend an additional couple years becoming a proctologist or an oncologist or a podiatrist or whatever it might be. They make far more money because, as you know, specialists get paid more by the insurance companies. They see far less people, and they have a very high quality of life comparatively to other doctors. Not saying doctors are hurting, but comparatively. In the UK, you have the opposite problem because there's no incentive to become a specialist. You don't get, now Now, granted the UK, they also pay for a lot of uh, education, great, but you don't have that extra incentive to say, go to school longer, to become a specialist, to take care of that need. The supply and demand is off because you have capped medical care. Everybody gets the same thing. The medical caps, uh, costs are capped. Here you go. So now you have too many people, not enough specialists. Meanwhile, hey, if you want to go see a doctor, great. But if you have cancer, your survival rate is one of the lowest in the fucking world at least in the civilized first world. And this is not unusual to see. Do you know where the United States is on healthcare survival rates? Let me tell you. It's the United States of America. God bless America. Yeah, that's right. Not surprising. Because we have great doctors. If you haven't noticed, a lot of doctors from other countries come here because they can make good living, especially specialists. If you have cancer in the United States, it's going to cost you a pretty penny, but you're going to fucking live. And, you know, I'm sorry, Elizabeth Warren, you know, my daddy. Well, you know what? Uh, If my daddy has cancer, I'd rather him go into deep debt and be alive than not be able to go into deep debt and just sit in a queue waiting and be dead. I mean, that's just me. You know, money's money. What is money worth? Well, to me, money's worth quite a bit uh, quite a bit of life. If I have to exchange a dollar for every second I'm on this planet, well then I'm gonna work my ass off, make that money, and make sure I stay alive. If I don't have that option because the government decides, oh, you know what? Sorry, you're too far gone. Uh, you know, there's not enough people here, you're fucking dead, pal. That's that seems like a great system to me. And actually, you know, I just read a story about a guy, it's like a father. In the United States, mind you, and I'm not sure exactly how it got to this point, but doctors said, hey, your son's brain dead. We want to take him off life support. Uh, Whatever else, sheriffs came. The guy refused to leave his son because, look, if we give him another hour, give him another two hours, I'm sure he's going to pull through. Went home, got a gun, and literally defended his son, who's lying in a bed, has, you know, in a coma. They think he's brain dead. He was in a bad accident, defending his son's life armed. And then he finally, he gave the gun up, you know, didn't want to have a shootout, gave the gun up, still was doing it physically. And then he's holding his son's hand and his son squeezes his hand three times on command. Guess what? Son fully recovered because of the actions of this man, his father, who believed that his son still had a chance to live. Compare that to the UK where we see people who have children that are chronically diseased that have a chance to have a, you know, a miracle cure by some new drug that's developed. And we all remember the story about the kid who was in, uh, in the UK in the hospital, the doctors would not permit the parents to take the child out of the hospital. The child who they said was going to die said, your, your, your kid's going to die. We can't help them done deal. We're not going to do anything anymore. Just deal with the fact that your, your kid's going to be dead. Would not allow the parents to take the kid out of the hospital. And fly him to the United States to get a experimental treatment. Denied that right to these parents. Seems like an obvious choice to me, guys. One last thing to add on uh, on the medical care compared country to country is pretty funny. So my wife is pregnant, as most of you know, and my poor wife. She's out. She's at work right now. I'm home <laughs> doing this podcast. <coughs> I started drinking whiskey to feel, feel up for it. Cause I get, I still get this tail into the cold. I'm like singing my songs. I'm drinking this whiskey getting pretty drunk now. So I feel bad for her when she comes home. But my wife is telling me she's in like this mommy group. And in the mommy group, there's a, a woman from Canada and she's posted this. She goes, you know, it's crazy. She's like, I really want to have a baby and I'm trying to with my husband, but I can't because I have an IUD in and I can't get it out for a year. And everybody's like, what? Why can't you get it taken out? This is crazy. This is is madness. How hard is it to take out an IUD? And she goes, oh, no, no. It's because, oh, I forgot to tell you guys. I live in Canada. And the wait for me to get this procedure done is a year. If she wants to go through the public health service. Now, Canada does have private insurance. If you'll remember, Rand Paul got a lot of shit because he went to a specialist in Canada. And I can't remember what his ailment was. Uh, it might've been having, I think it was, might've been doing to to do with the lung thing, which happened when his neighbor tackled him and, and all the assholes on the left cheered. Uh, but he went to Canada to see a specialist. So they do have private insurance and specialists there, but this woman, maybe she doesn't have the money to see a specialist, maybe yeah, whatever she says now through the public insurance. I have to wait a year for a simple thing to get my IUD taken out, uh, or whatever she was using for birth control. And now she and her husband just have to wait. I mean, how how insane is that to think about the government literally controlling? Well, again, I can't say literally controlling because this chick could could scrape the money together or fly someone else to get it somewhere else to get it done. Let's not absolve her of the options she has as a free individual, but still, to just hypothetically say the government controlling whether or not you can have a baby is pretty insane. And under the healthcare proposal Warren has here, if we eliminate all private insurance, that could be a very real possibility for women in this country. So while women say, oh, you know, we we have to have Medicare for well, we have to have universal health care because of the women's issues and for, you know, to have all these these rights because of women's bodies and their needs. Hey, girls, do you want to be able to have a baby when you want to have a baby? I know you want to be able to have the baby taken out. If you don't want the baby, but let's say you want the baby and you have to have an IUD in there and uh, you want to take that IUD out. You want to wait a year? I sure as shit wouldn't. All right. What else on this plan? I think that's more or less the uh, the plan. I think I went over my allotted time. What can you say? When you Once you start uh, dancing with Sweet Lady Whiskey guys, she don't know. Uh, she don't know when to stop. Her feet don't get tired. All right, let's move on to another topic. Anyway, how about Beto O'Rourke dropping out of the tour, the presidential tour? He's done. Goodbye, Beto. Bye bye, Beto. Thank God. Now, what do you guys want to bet that Beto ends up either starting a a nonprofit organization for which he is the CEO that fights for gun confiscation, and or just against uh, overall Second Amendment rights, and for which he will take a a very large salary. That's option one. Option two, he aligns himself with, uh, again, some existing organization or lobby group slash think tank, which he will be paid a large sum of money to lobby on behalf of, I don't know, the bow and arrow people. Bows and arrows made by Barrow. The bow and arrow people. Hard to massacre people with just a bow and arrow. Not true, of course. Many massacres have happened with bows and arrows, but you get my point. Anyway, bye-bye, Beto. Good riddance. Glad to see you gone. Uh, Although it's a loss for the world in that we no longer get to see someone that looks like Herman Munster with AIDS. So, you know, it's not all gravy, folks. All right, next, let's talk about yeah, some well, a couple of things. I'll just tell you some some local stories here. For me, I'm drunk. Let's wrap it up with this kind of stuff. So, went on a hospital tour with uh, with my wife this past weekend. And, uh, you know, we're having a little baby girl, a little baby girl on the way, a little baby McBaby McWilliams. So, we went on this hospital tour. They make you do it if you're going to give birth at a hospital. And it was... Oh my God. I mean, just the most boring, repetitive nonsense I've ever sat through in my entire life. Uh, I'm sure many of you have had to do the same thing if you have kids, but you sit down. I thought it was going to be like a very quick thing, like a half an hour, just me and the wife and a hospital administrator torn around like, oh, here you go. Here's where you come in. Here's where you drop off uh, at this time of night. Here's where you go. If it's after hours, here's what the basic rundown of how it's going to work. Bing, bang, boom. There you go. See you later. Nope, not to be. Not to be. What ended up happening? We ended up sitting down in a boardroom full of 20 other Yahoos and getting a, a nice long speech. Number one, I, and I hate this more than about anything. A woman goes through every piece of literature, which are, by the way, available online and also directly behind where we're sitting in the boardroom, just laid out on the table. They gave us a bag upon walking in to put these documents into, but no walks through every one of them, explaining what they are and reminding us that we can pick them up. So, you know, why, why can't we read? Can not we research? No. Okay. So walks us through all that shit. But there was one funny point that I thought you guys would appreciate. And this was you know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm half sick. I'd had a couple beers beforehand because I uh, I watched the Eagles game. And, you know, I was very judicious. So I'm like, oh, I got to go in this hospital tour. Obviously, I don't want to get drunk. But Eagles game is at 10 in the morning here. So I had a couple beers. And I'm drinking a lot of water. But I got to that perfect point of just, like, I'm so tired. Because if you know, if you're a drinker, if you just have a little bit to drink, all it does is make you exceptionally tired later in the day. So, <coughs> sit in this boardroom, struggling to stay awake. But at one point, the woman is talking about birth certificates and social security cards. Now, granted, a social security card is simply a means for the government to track your freshly newborn baby and make sure that they can steal away, uh, you know, a decent percentage of her future income. Yeah, yeah, the government's got to keep track of that. So. You know, fuck social security cards, but also this is where I gave my uh, my wife the uh, the wide eyed what look. Is you know the birth certificate? They go, okay, you're asking, you want, you guys want to know about the birth certificate, how that works, you know, and all these different uh, things in place. So she goes, yeah, you go ahead and you can get it at the local courthouse. The original birth certificate, though, is kept in Sacramento at the Capitol, and it's kept kept safe by the state. And that was when I looked at my wife and I was like, oh, you know, like fucking Goku on uh, Dragon Ball Z went full Super Saiyan with my eyeballs at her, but I didn't want to make a scene. <coughs> but that just got under my skin. You know, it's like, OK, great. So my baby's document, my baby, her birth certificate for this child, which uh, we we have brought into this world, I can never get the original. Basically what she was saying. Never, the original is kept forever at the state house because I guess we can't be trusted. Lest we lose the birth certificate, we can't be trusted with that. So the state's got to keep it. So you know, basically, just remember, guys, from birth to death, the state owns you. They have your records. You're not allowed to get them. You are always in their possession in some way, shape, or form. So anyway, that was my uh, my quick quick bit about the hospital that. And also I thought this was some ridiculous shit too, was first off, uh, you know, postpartum depression. You guys have heard that term probably no longer called postpartum depression. Now it's called, I don't know, some other stupid bullshit name because apparently depression saying depression is no longer politically acceptable. So now it's called postpartum something or other, but California, special California posted or or passed a bill so that not only the mother has to be checked, but the father also has to be checked by a doctor. And I think has to see a social worker to make sure that you're both okay to take care of the baby. So they come in, the state does a check to make sure that mentally, you're not too depressed or having any symptoms of whatever and whatever, and that you're okay to take your own baby home from the hospital, for which, of course, you have paid to have this procedure done. Now, if you both fail these tests, one has to presume that they take your baby away and don't give it back to you. Again, I didn't bring this up at the sitting. I didn't want to cause a scene, but isn't that the first thing that would happen to, You know, go through your mind's? let's say I'm joking around and we're talking to a couple of friends of ours who just went through this, who had joked that the baby was, you know, wouldn't stop crying. And they came in and they're like, Oh, how are you doing? And the mom was like, yeah, they're both funny people. The mom was like, Oh, but great. Except I want to throw this baby against the wall. And they're like, Oh, are you having a lot of symptoms? And they immediately got serious. Like, she's going to really do this thing. And that's not just a joke. And they're both laughing. Social worker comes in, you know, it's just unfucking believable So, California, maybe other states aren't like this, but in California, just remember, don't make any jokes. Make sure there's only happy faces there because the state might just come in and take your baby away if you're not immediately ecstatic and over the moon uh, or if you belay any human emotion as to having this newborn baby. Fucking terrifying. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah, I want to talk about this real quick. So... A lot of fires happened in California. A lot of AOCs slash Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is talking about the fires, uh, blaming this, that and the other. Of course, it's all coming back to climate change if you are to believe people on the left. However, Forbes has a fantastic article. I shared it in our Lions of Liberty forum. Uh, or actually, I didn't share it. Uh, our good pal Bobby Wilson shared it, but I shared it on my personal feed as well. But a great article in Forbes basically saying, look, this is all nonsense. None of this has to do with climate change. What these fires have to do with is, number one, the buildup of flammable fuel in the forest. And this is, they did a poll. This is a non-biased, non-left-right study confirmed by science. And and the guy who wrote this uh, for Forbes, by the way, hold on, let me pull up his name real quick. He is considered and was named... A, uh, quote, defender of the environment. Tell on, let me say the exact thing. Michael Schellenberger is a Time Magazine, quote, hero of the environment and Green Book Award winner. So this man is writing about this, just telling people, look, everything you say about California fires, including the climate matters most, is wrong. It's bullshit. It's not true. It has to do with a buildup of fuel that's not being burned off because of regulations. That's spelled out. And it also spells out that Most of these fires, like 96% of the fires, are not caused by natural causes. They're not caused by an increase in temperature. They talked to people in the studies on this, and he talked to a lot, he did a lot of research. They've not been increased fires because of this. There's no increase in forest fires because of climate change. This is all nonsense. What they have found is that. Virtually 100% of the fires that have been started in California are caused by humans. The giant fire that was from a downed power line, of course, that was human cause. The fires that have taken place in Los Angeles areas, those are human cause. And you have all these climatologists saying, oh, this is due to climate. This is due to increased temperatures. And this man and his team of scientists who modeled 37 different regions say this is simply not true. What is true is if you add 6 million people to a region, including, well, he's, I'm adding this, including, you know, 70,000 homeless, you're simply going to have more causes for fire. And because you're not taking care, because these natural burns aren't happening, you're going to have bigger fires that can spread more quickly. Now, this is particularly prescient because, and this just royally pissed me off, we recently had a very big fire here. And... Within hours of this thing starting, and it was like in a main hub, like right by the freeway by the Getty Center, if you're familiar with Los Angeles, within hours of this fire starting, which started by the way at about 1 a.m. So it's at night, there's not high winds, it's not peak temperature hours, and also in Los Angeles in the wintertime, we get heavy, heavy dew because we're right by the ocean when it gets dark. When things uh, cool down, you get a massive amount of dew. Like right now, if I go outside, my lawn is saturated. Like there's dew in the streets. It looks like it rained. It's puddles. So Gavin Newsom, or not Gavin Newsom, pardon me, uh, Mayor Garcetti, who of course is a total douche monger and uh, is ignoring the homeless problem and has no way to solve it except to throw more money at it, which doesn't work. So Mayor Garcetti, he goes, well... We know that it wasn't caused by a homeless encampment, even though the investigation isn't finished. We think that this was caused by a branch that fell in a power line. Now, of course, that's not a very good Garcetti impression, but (laughs) just logically, this is issued within two hours, right, of this massive fire starting. Number one question, how do you know what caused the fire within two hours? How do you know where it started? How do you know when it started? And how do you know, we're saying it it, it was caused by a branch that fell on a power line. Did you find the branch? Did you find the power line? Are you sure that the power line wasn't wasn't brought down by another fire? And also, what branch? Why did it fall down in low winds? And how did the fire spread so quickly? All these questions spring to mind when a guy who admits that the investigation hasn't even started yet, Makes me wonder if he's, you know, kind of playing his hand because as the mayor of Los Angeles, which has turned into a complete goddamn shithole because of the massive amount of homeless people that are here, and I'm not going to go into the myriad reasons why there are so many homeless people here, because I've done that in other shows, and it's getting too late, and I'm drunk, and I still have to finish this goddamn podcast up, but it seems to me that he's trying to head things off for the past like the old cowboys did, blaze the glory. You, know, you see, I'm, I'm bringing it back around, guys. That's called a callback in the is. and the is in the biz, Eric Garcetti is going down in a literally in a blaze of glory, trying to protect his record, trying to pretend that the homeless have nothing to do with this. When everybody here knows the homeless population has gotten out of control, there's encampments everywhere. They're throwing cigarette butts. They're, throwing, they're cooking. They're doing all these things in places where you just don't have random forest fires start up. It's plain and simple. And for this goddamn asshole to come out and be like, well, we know it's not this one thing. It's like, give me a break. It's like, if you're caught cheating with your wife and you come home and you go, well, honey, if there's one thing I wouldn't do, it's have sex very specifically with a black 14 year old prostitute. Like, "Mm, that's a, that's a, that's pretty on the nose, pretty on the nose description there. Wow. Curious. So fuck Garcetti. Uh, You got to read this article. Like I said, go read it. LionsofLiberty.com forward slash ELL149. And uh, that's going to do it for the show, except for one last thing. This is too funny. Our buddy Pablo Sergio, who sadly, he used to be in Los Angeles. He used to put together the Liberty on the Rocks events. And I hope Pablo, I know you listen to the show. uh, Have somebody else take the helm, man. We need those Liberty on the Rocks events. They were fun. We got all of us together. Uh, we had you know the, the, the best show. We had many great shows and many great uh, gatherings. But, of course, the, the most fun was when we had uh, me and Mark and Stapleton and Dave Smith together hanging out, drinking, talking. And i uh, got about 75 or 80 people up in an attic in Hollywood in a bar. That was awesome. But Pablo sent me this. Pablo, who now lives in Chicago, by the way. <laughs> I'm like eulogizing Pablo in Los Angeles that people are like, why? I don't get it. Yeah. Sorry. He moved to Chicago. So if you're in Chicago, if you're a libertarian, look this man up. Cause he is uh, fantastic. Okay. So this clip is from a TV show called the politician. And this line is being delivered by Dylan McDermott. He's pretty funny. And I apologize. The audio quality is terrible. I've not been able to find a better clip. So I got to use what Pablo sent me on Instagram and, uh, Hopefully you can hear it because it is fucking hilarious. And uh, that's it for this show. I'll go out on that. Thank you for listening. Reminder, guys, always tune in on Mondays for Mark with interviews for leaders in the Liberty Movement. Of course, I'm here on Wednesdays and Friday is John Odermat with Felony Fridays and... Also a reminder, you guys join the pride, go to patreon.com forward slash lions of liberty. You can get into our private Facebook group for as little as $2 a month or join as, as little as $5 a month to get all of our bonus content, including degenerate gamblers, South Park recaps, uh, conspiracy corner shows, bonus interviews with people that have been on the show also do nothing, man. And I apologize, man. I've been too sick to do the voices for Do Nothing Man, but there is a new episode. I'm recording it Sunday, so don't miss it. Now, let's go out with this hilarious, hilarious clip.
2: River, Peyton, he wants it for himself. You
0: know how we met? I hired from a service called the Girlfriend Experience to be my date and fundraiser
2: for Rod Paul.